Today, we are excited to announce the launch of our short series, which is going to be featuring one favorite author every few weeks in a short episode that you can listen to literally like in between a snack. (laughs) An author snack series. It's an author snack series. And we're super lucky that our first author is the one and only Susan McPherson. Susan is the founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies, which is a communications consultancy focused on the intersection of brands and social impact, which is something so many companies are focused on right now. And Susan was really a futurist in this arena for a number of years. Susan just published her book, The Lost Art of Connecting, the gather, ask, do method for building meaningful relationships. Susan is the best connector I've ever met. She has been transformative in the lives of so many women that Sam and I know, uh, and we're really thrilled to talk to her today. So what made you write this book? I mean, Amy and I both know you as probably the biggest connector in our lives, but what made you put it into book form? interesting. I never, you know, it was never part of the plan, so to speak. But I, um, over the last eight years, have been running a company. And about a year and a half ago, I saw something that I hadn't seen before. And that is 98% of the business that has come into my consulting firm has been inbound. And I had always been a quote unquote connector. And as of 2007, I started calling myself a serial connector, and and there's a whole story behind that. However, I realized that the reason 98% of business coming into the firm was because over the last 30 years of my professional life, I took those meetings. I sat down with people and met with them. I connected people to opportunities or to nonprofits to potentially fund or men and women to date. I mean, you name it. (laughs) But the point being is it wasn't that 30 years ago, I knew, oh, when you're 48, you're going to found, find, found a business. And I'm going to come after you and be like, oh, hey, remember me? No. And if you had asked me at age 25, that at the age of 56, I would be single, parentless and childless, living in Brooklyn, running a company that, that that was so far from any, any trajectory I could even imagine. But I decided it was about time to tell how I have built these meaningful connections. How did you think about connection when you were 25 and when when you were starting out in your career? Sure. Um, Well, when I was as young as five years old and I'd be sitting at the breakfast table, I would vie for uh, real estate on the table to have my Rice Krispies or, you know, eggs or whatever I ate back in the 70s. And because my parents had the five local newspapers laid out on the breakfast table with um, either a razor blade or a scissors, clipping and cutting. And with handy envelopes nearby, they would stuff articles in with a little handwritten type note. My father would type on a manual typewriter that would just be, that would say, thinking of you, yours, David. Or my mother would- Oh my God, I have the chill, Susan. That is amazing. That is so cool. But I just assumed everybody did this. Oh my I, God, I, I have I, tears in my eyes. I just, <laughs> Amy and I both have tears in our eyes. I love no. this story so much. But by the time I, you know, got old, I mean, as I grew up, and and like I said, I thought everybody did this. And then in the early mid '90s, when I was, you know, kind of beginning my professional um, livelihood, um, the internet came about, and all of a sudden, you could do this so much easier. 
I mean, you know, I still would cut articles and put in envelopes and mail just because I that was normal for me. But once I could just cut and paste and put in an email, I mean, it was like a trip to like Fantastico. It, you know, it was like a rocket ship compared to, you know, a Pony Express. That's wow. amazing. Can we go back what you shared with us about being single now, being childless? You were married for a number of years. What was your life like? Were you as big a connector when you were married and living on the West Coast? Well, first of all, it, no. Um, and I think it, a turning point was moving to New York City where meeting people is far easier than, I mean, no offense against Seattle, but you, you have to be in a car to get everywhere. Um, likewise, Sam, where, where you are in LA and in New York, it's very easy to just strike up impromptu gatherings. Um, but I will say that Every time I've moved in my life, and I've moved quite a bit, um, you know, I went from Washington, D.C. to Southern California, Southern California to Seattle, Seattle back to New York. Each time I would move, what I would do is join or get involved in various nonprofit organizations so that I could meet people with similar values or people that cared about things beyond themselves. Um, I would get involved in local political organizations. And again, I would get involved in nonprofits with the goal. Actually, let me take that back no further goal than meeting interesting people. Um, there was not an agenda. Um, obviously, I wanted to help the organization. So for instance, in Seattle, um, in 91, I joined Fair Start, which is a, an amazing, it still exists today. And I ended up on a volunteer committee raising money for their annual gala. It's so funny, Susan. I was just texting with the CEO of Fair Start, Angela, last night. Isn't that funny? What a small world. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to know that they're still, I mean, I'm sure if anything now, they are, you know, even more apropos and, and vital. Um, but they were a remarkable organization all the way back. But I often, and, and maybe I should just also say, my mom was killed in a horrible tragedy when I was 22. And I often sometimes think my desire to connect is also to fill that massive void that was left mm -hmm. so suddenly. And getting to know people for me and learning their stories can be so heartwarming and fulfilling in so many ways. I mean, granted, not everyone you meet is going to be glorious and wonderful and, and, and lovely and friendly. But for the most part, people generally are, are good people and they're, they're interesting and have, help you understand more about yourself. You do something that I think is really special, and, and you mentioned this earlier, is you, aside from you know building relationships for your own business, you're constantly connecting people to opportunities, people, ideas that you know would be meaningful to them. How do you find a way to do that? Like, How do you remember what people need and what they want and how you can help them? You know, we, we all have certain gifts, um, and it, maybe it took me until my 50s to be able to say that out loud without feeling absolutely foolish but I have an extraordinary memory. And it's something that has served me over the years. Um, my older brother was gifted with the memory for numbers. Um, he can remember specific dates of births and deaths and anniversaries. That's not me. But I can remember, you know, a friend's child's favorite food. Um, and so, you know, when I see that food or a, a bakery that has that food, I will snap a photo and then text that photo to the friend and say, oh, I thought of, you know, Lila's, you know, ch chocolate chip pancake, you know, that, that she loves. I mean, obviously all kids love chocolate chip pancakes, but I do think that that is part of my ability. And, but what I have found over the years is when you introduce people, if you can find something that is actually 
somewhat intimate, and I don't mean intimate, intimate, I mean just something very personal. When you introduce them, all of a sudden, all the ice melts, right? And and the conversation goes from, oh, what the weather is today to, you know, how are you dealing with the pandemic? How can I be helpful to you? But sometimes it takes knowing that nugget, um, and you're not going to remember it all the time, but when you can, you know, it's a great way to break the ice. And I'm a big believer in taking notes and writing little notes and text. I mean, it isn't all up here, okay? But I am religious when I meet somebody at a gathering, even on Zoom or on FaceTime or however we're using to connect with one another right now. I make a note of, and, and, and I'll write, write it down because as I get older, obviously the memories a little, a little less. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it, it really speaks to you making people feel seen because if you're remembering a detail that they've shared with you, it shows them that you cared enough that you made them feel seen. And it almost sounds like the tools your your parents gave you, which they probably didn't even realize at the time of, you know, showing how they're thinking of someone with an article, you kind of paired that with your life experience to create, Absolutely. to really hone in on this gift. Which leads to my next question, which is it, at what point, I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is they meet someone for the first time and they either reveal too much or too little. It's almost like a dance of when to reveal personal things about yourself, but not overdoing it so that you lose the trust of that person who thinks, oh, she must tell her life story to everyone. Where, did, where is that happy medium? Well, I think leading, um, first of all, knowing what your, I call it in the book, your chief differentiating factor, your CDF, you know, knowing what, what your secret sauce is, and we all have them beyond our DNA. Um, but I also think it's really important to make the focus on the other person. Um, there'll be time, there'll be another time when you can focus on you. And instead, really um, honing your listening skills and asking questions of, of the other person, you know, and again, not about the weather, but, you know, things like where, where do you want to go in the, pan you know, where's the first place you want to travel in this world when you're, the pandemic's over? Or, you know, how can I be helpful to your, to your kids, et cetera? Now, granted, that listening to myself say that, it means you already have a relationship. But I think when you're first starting out, if you ask the person questions about, you know, um, that aren't too deep and personal, you know, like how long have they been married and, and you know, do they want to have children? Those types of questions. No, you wouldn't ask them that. But, you know, the one thing we all know is this pandemic has, in many cases, leveled the playing field. And there's absolutely nothing wrong in opening up a dialogue with somebody saying, honestly, how are you doing right now? How how is your family doing? Is there anything specifically that you feel you need? Because unless the person is somebody you never, ever want to speak to again, chances are the person is going to respond with, with meaningful information that then you have the power to, to do with whatever you wish to do with it. But for me, if, if somebody tells me, oh, you know, I have a specific need, I'm going to make note of it. And if there's something I can do or someone I can connect that person to, I sure as hell will. And you both have seen that. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Who is one person that you have not yet connected with that you want to? Oh my God, gosh, gosh. I really, really want to meet, and this is probably stargazing, I want to meet the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Why? Lucinda. I, I, I mean, just what she has done for that country, you know, completely. Um, and I love Sarah Cooper. Um, I'm connected with her on Twitter. 
And I just think she's remarkable, but I would love to meet her in quote unquote real life when we, we get out of the, this, this craziness. Where's the first place you're gonna go when the pandemic's over? I actually wanna go back to Antarctica. And, and I will tell you a quick story. Before I went, I was there a little over a year ago. Somebody said, is this your first trip? And I remember thinking to myself, who goes twice to Antarctica? Right? I mean, it's like, you know, and, you know, kind of like if you, if you go to Tahoe or something, you know, you go again, right? But I got home and all I kept thinking about were those baby penguins. And I thought to myself, you know what? I got to go back and see the things that I missed. So to finish off, I would just love it if you would share two pieces of advice to someone who has never thought of themselves as a networker and feels like they're just not good at it. Yeah, great question. You don't have to be an extrovert to be a connector. And one thing to do is find the connector in the room, kind of like your wing woman or wing man, and stick around with, with that person, okay? The second thing is, it is no harder than riding a bike. It's really listening and then making note, mental note, of what is going on in the person that you are um, corresponding or speaking with, whether it's online or in the real world. And then following up with a note or a text or a phone call the next day or the next week and say, I heard you. I understand what's going on in your life and I'm here to, to connect you with Sam and Amy who have this great podcast that you should listen to. So that's a wrap. Thank you, Susan McPherson, for being the first guest in our Author Snack series. And we'd love to hear what you thought of it. Uh, please do connect with us uh, on our YouTube channel or on Instagram at What's Her Story Podcast or on Twitter at On What's Her Story. Thanks so much for listening.